Seizure disorders are frequently diagnosed and managed during adolescence. So therefore, OBGYNs who care for adolescents or just young women in general can encounter patients who have seizure disorders or epilepsy. This has a lot of implications for reproductive health, including contraceptive choice, contraceptive efficacy, and of course, their effects on the menstrual cycle. Patients diagnosed with seizure disorders during childhood may have increased seizure activity with puberty and menarche, and this is due to the neuroactive properties of these endogenous steroids. Endogenous estrogen, for example, actually have pro-convulsant and epileptogenic properties, although the mechanism by which estradiol increases neuronal excitation is not well understood. Now, on the other hand, natural serum progesterone has been found to reduce seizures and a decrease in progesterone during specific times of an ovulatory cycle has been associated with increased seizure activity. In this podcast, we're going to cover the upcoming May 2020 Committee Opinion from the College, which is Committee Opinion number 806, dealing with gynecological management of adolescents and young women with seizure disorders. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Compared with patients without epilepsy, patients with epilepsy are more likely to experience anovulatory cycles, irregular menstrual bleeding, and amenorrhea. So there's definitely a tie between brain seizure activity and the menstrual cycle. Both the epileptic discharges and the antiepileptic drugs have been implicated as potential causes of these abnormal menstrual cycles. Antiepileptic drugs themselves may affect reproductive health as well as contraceptive choice and efficacy. So we're going to spend some time talking about these potential relationship and pharmacodynamics between birth control pills and antiepileptic medication. Prospective studies have found evidence of the development of polycystic ovarian syndrome among some adolescents using Depakote, a commonly used antiepileptic drug. So that's another interesting clinical pearl. That antiepileptic drug, valproic acid, has been linked to polycystic ovarian syndrome. Studied mechanisms include valproic acids directly increasing ovarian androgen production or causing inhibition of testosterone metabolism. Another interesting link is catamenial seizures. Catamenial seizures refer to cyclic seizure exacerbation in relation to the menstrual cycle. The most accepted definition of catamenial epilepsy is a twofold increase in the baseline average daily seizure activity during a particular phase of the menstrual cycle. Catamenial epilepsy is diagnosed by an evaluation of the menstrual and seizure diary. The most common seizure pattern is perimenstrual, occurring about three days before a period and about three days after the period when progesterone levels drop in these ovulatory cycles. Periovulatory catamenial exacerbation has been attributed to the mid-cycle surge of estrogen that's relatively unopposed by progesterone. Now, patients have fewest seizures during the mid-luteal phase in ovulatory cycles because progesterone tends to be the highest. All right, we come back. Let's talk about how hormonal therapy can actually be an adjuvant to traditional anti-seizure medications to help reduce seizure frequency. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Of course, first-line treatment for seizure disorders is anti-convulsant medication, but hormonal therapy is an adjuvant approach. Research on hormonal therapy for the treatment of epilepsy is scant. However, the anti-convulsant properties of various progestins have been explored as potential treatments. Older studies that have used oral or vaginal preparations administered during the luteal phase demonstrated a reduction in seizure occurrence with catamenial epilepsy. There are more data to support the use of Depo-Provera to decrease the frequency of seizures. In standard dosages, Depo-Provera administration has been shown to decrease seizure frequency. Actually, an observational study of 750 women within an epilepsy birth control registry reported fewer seizures for patients using Depo compared with those using OCPs or progestin-only pills. Well, since we're on the topic of adjuvant therapy for seizures, remember that there is data on cannabis-based products such as cannabidiol in a 2018 systematic review. Evidence from randomized controlled trials suggested that CBD likely reduces seizures among children with drug-resistant epilepsy. But the authors cautioned that the findings of the study were limited to CBD and should not be extrapolated to other cannabis products. Its effect on contraceptive efficacy and any teratogenic potentials, though, are still unknown. Also, remember that currently there is one CBD oral solution approved by the FDA for the treatment of seizures associated with two rare and severe forms of epilepsy. One is Lennox-Gastaut syndrome and Dravret syndrome. These are in patients two years of age and older. All right, now that we've covered all that, we've got to talk about what every OBGYN is concerned about, and that's contraception on patients that are using antiepileptic drugs. The risk of poor pregnancy outcome is primarily due to the teratogenicity of some antiepileptic drugs. Although pregnant patients with epilepsy who are non-medicated have a similar fetal malformation rate as a general population, Fetal antiepileptic drug exposure is associated with a twofold to threefold increased risk of major congenital malformations, with even higher rates reported with Depakote or with polypharmacy use. So, this is an important issue, and we're going to dive into this issue of contraception in this patient population next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Let's start with combination hormonal birth control. There is no conclusive evidence that combination hormonal contraception increases epileptic seizures, and epilepsy itself poses no increased risk of an adverse outcome for those using combination OCPs, the contraceptive patch, or the contraceptive ring. Combination hormonal contraceptive methods are considered Category 1 according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's medical eligibility criteria for women with epilepsy. However, for those taking specific anticonvulsants, combination hormonal contraceptives are considered Category 3 on the medical eligibility criteria, and this is due to likely reduction of contraceptive effectiveness. But you got to remember that not all antipoleptic drugs are enzyme inducers. Examples of anti-seizure medications that are non-enzyme inducers are lamotrigine, which is lamictal, and topiramate, which is topamax. Topiramate, given at dosages of 200 milligrams a day, does not seem to affect contraceptive effectiveness. On the other hand, potent inducers of hepatic enzymes include the antipoleptic drugs like carbamazepine, primidone, phenobarbital, and phenytoin. Okay, so how do we put this in a clinical practice? Well, historically, because of these concerns about decreased contraceptive effectiveness with combination OCPs and enzyme-inducing antipoleptic drugs, the following recommendations have been suggested. First, prescribe higher-dose OCPs, which are 35 micrograms or more. Second is to prescribe extended cycle OCPs and third, decrease the hormone-free interval in sequential pills to less than seven days to minimize the risk of escape ovulation. Furthermore, lamictal levels tend to rise during the pill-free interval, which can also cause adverse effects. So when the use of lamictal and combination OCPs cannot be avoided, dose adjustments with lamictal may be needed, or extended cycle use of contraception should be considered, or both. All right, now that we've covered combination birth control, what about progestin-only methods? Well, here's the big bonus enzyme-inducing anti-epileptic drugs do not change the efficacy of Depo-Provera or levonorgestrel-containing IUDs. Both Depo and the 52-milligram levonorgestrel IUD, which is the brand name Mirena, are considered U.S. medical eligibility criteria category 1 for women with seizure disorders regardless of the use and type of anti-seizure medication. So, remember that Depo-Provera has the advantage of reducing seizure frequency, although the levonorgestrel-containing IUD is a totally safe and effective option in adolescents and young women with seizure disorders who desire menstrual improvement or contraception. Well, what about Nexplanon? Well, remember that Nexplanon is eternorgestrol. This implant has a very high contraceptive efficacy, and the risk is very low compared to other contraceptive methods. However, there was one pharmacokinetic study that showed that in patients that were using carbamazepine, the eternorgestrol serum levels tended to be lower, but this study was only with 13 women. But nonetheless, the U.S. medical eligibility criteria ranked it as Category 2. Remember that Category 2 means that the advantages are still generally outweighing any theoretical or proven risks.
This brings us to progestin-only pills. Now, although progestin-only pills, which are typically 0.35 milligrams of norethindrone, while these can be used phenomenally for menstrual suppression, their use as a contraceptive method is rated as Category 3 in patients that are using enzyme-inducing antiepileptic medication. So be careful of progestin-only pills in that stance. This precaution for potential interaction also applies to the new progestin-only pill that contains 4 milligrams of drospirinone. The last thing to cover is emergency contraception, and that will bring us to a wrap covering this new May 2020 committee opinion. According to the college, all methods of emergency contraception can be used without restriction in adolescents and young women with seizure disorders or those using antiepileptic drugs. Also, remember that the copper IUD is considered Category 1 and can be used as emergency contraception for up to five days after the act of unprotected intercourse and can also function as long-term form of birth control. Levonorgestrel and ulipristal acetate emergency contraceptives are rated Category 2 among women who are using antiepileptic medications that are enzyme inducers. So that's the clinical pearl. Plan B and ELLA are rated as Category 2. Nonetheless, remember that Category 2 still means that the advantages outweigh any theoretical or potential risk. Well, this brings us to a wrap. We've covered a quick review, a quick summary of the new committee opinion, which is coming out in May of 2020, and that's committee opinion number 806. Thanks for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. 